Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Hello, welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos, here with me, dealing with surprise dog pee, Avery. Hi. <laughs> Greg. Hey. And Matthew Hubertson. Howdy. Uh, what is this surprise dog pee? Th- okay, so... Uh, Imagine being surprised by pee. <laughs> Could not me. <laughs> uh, apparently, your dogs are not <laughs> fixed. Uh, you haven't fixed your dogs, and they're peeing everywhere. Okay, I'm not trying to complain. Because I love I love my dogs I love them a lot. He doesn't he doesn't listen to the podcast. You can just <laughs> that's <say>. true. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will tell him though. Anyways, I we have two corgis who are intact males, so they haven't been neutered yet. And if you haven't dealt with dogs who aren't neutered, they kind of just pee on things like to mark their territory. And I just recently moved in, so all of my things smell differently, and so they feel the need to pee on it. And whenever I find the pee later. I call it surprise pee because I'm surprised by it, and it sucks. <laughs> I love how you had to explain that. I call it surprise pee because I'm surprised well, by it. <laughs> anyways, that's what I'm dealing with right now, and it's very traumatizing, <laughs> but it's okay. Anyway, uh, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at no Truck Stops Pod, and feel free to email us at no Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball episode recapping the week in Pac-12 Hoops. Just a programming note, we uh, talked with, I talked with uh, Brad Malone. He is a podcaster for, not a podcaster for Arizona basketball. He's an Arizona basketball podcaster at Bear Down Bias. Uh, we had a conversation with him. I keep saying we, you, none of you were there. I had a conversation <laughs> with uh, Brad Malone. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> surprise P. Surprise P from the dog. <laughs> um Anyway, so we had a conversation with him talking about UCLA-Arizona Part 1 and previewing Arizona-UCLA Part 2 in McHale Center. I wanted to get his thoughts on Arizona, Arizona basketball, and kind of talk about what that's been going. So please check that out. That's dropping Wednesday morning. So check that out if you want to know what's going on with him. Anyway, uh, let's let's start this conversation as we normally do with a little peek of the pack. And now the peak of the pack. <laughs> All right, so much pomp and circumstance for one week of Pac-12 basketball. Let's uh, let's start with Greg here. Greg, we've had a week now of Pac-12 basketball. We last spoke uh, Wednesday talking about Wednesday. We posted something Wednesday talking about Arizona UCLA. Um, so just so people are aware, that is up there. We won't include that in our peak of the pack. So Greg, who was uh, the best teams? Who had the best week over the past week? Well, uh, gotta be UCLA. Even without the Arizona game, they embarrassed stanford at least i think it was stanford it, they, yes, emba- it was. they embarrassed they embarrassed the both <laughs> yeah. stanford and cal for a second i was I, I was looking at the wrong day and i was just like wait a second that's not stanford <laughs> but yeah yeah they stanford scored 43 points and uh i wouldn't have been surprised if they hadn't hit 40 in the game ucla's defense was suffocating in that game just stanford couldn't get anything it felt like stanford was only getting offense when UCLA made a silly mistake rather than getting offense from running their own offense. It was UCLA looks incredible right now. Like 
they're they're playing like it's March, and uh, now we gotta wonder: Are they peaking too early? <laughs> my uh, my UCLA PTSD. Because here's the thing: uh, UCLA PTSD shouldn't be a thing for basketball, football. Yes, uh, but it carries over sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, something bad is going to happen here. But I forget. We're blue blood. We're literally royalty in basketball. But no, uh, UCLA had an awesome week. They beat the shit out of the Bay Area schools, like you said, 66 to 43 over Stanford, um, hosting them, and then played Cal on Thursday, 81 to 57. Both those games. So I think the most impressive thing was that they beat the shit out of Arizona uh, by 16 points. And then two days later, played a bad Cal team and one handily um they looked focused defensively for every single second of that game almost every they were focused for almost every single second for the stanford game and for most of it during the cal game and those are the kind of things like you play a big game and there's a letdown spot kind of after that that i would have expected ucla to kind of sleepwalk through it they didn't they didn't at all um so that was extremely impressive i don't know avery matt did you have any thoughts about ucla and their wins over the bay area schools one of greg's peak of the pack yeah i'm like you said, I'm glad they didn't play down after they destroyed Arizona. That would have been really upsetting if they had struggled against Stanford or Cal, but they didn't, which they shouldn't have because Stanford and Cal are both bad. So I'm very happy about that. I'm glad that UCLA is clearly the best team again. The Oregon game made me doubt. I will never doubt you again. Uh, Blue blood supremacy. I apologize, Mick Cronin. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week. Just kidding. But... Yeah, UCLA's looked really good. Yeah. Uh, Avery, did you have a peak of the pack? Uh, okay, I'll say my peak of the pack is Washington, even though... I was going to go there, yeah. They swept, the, mount- they swept uh, the mountain teams, Colorado and Utah, but they went to two overtimes with Utah, and Utah's really fucking bad. So that's kind of embarrassing. They don't say how, they say how many. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) 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 Playing a close game like that against Utah, who Brandon Carlson, it's his second game back. He just had an appendectomy. Like, this man has an open wound in his abdomen. And then they're playing without their most important big man outside of Brandon Carlson, Deshaun Mahorchich because he was indefinitely suspended. Nobody really knows what's going on with that, but it sounds bad. They shouldn't have been in the game. Like Washington, I've been saying, is like the hottest team outside of the clearly the best teams in the conference because they have been playing really well. They won five out of their last six. But yikes, going to two overtimes with Utah is just embarrassing. I'm not going to say it's embarrassing that Utah didn't win because I have zero expectations for this program at this point in time. But yeah, I would say Washington looked really good against Colorado, who now we know is Colorado. Um, <laughs> they are frauds, and I expected such, but Washington has looked okay besides that since that loss to Oregon, which was a big woof. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah, to I- add really quickly. I went to the Utah-Washington game, and Washington fans bark. They, like, actually bark. <laughs> it, like, celebratory barks. For for everything? Or for so when do they, when do started, they bark? It started at halftime. Their new football coach, Kalen DeBoer, came out and did his thing. And no joke, as soon as he was, like, announced and took the floor, barking. People were barking or <laughs> woofing. I don't know. I was traumatized. It's like the shittiest dive bar. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was so, a joke at first. I like didn't know that happened. Well, and I'm confused. Like how 
this feels like something that should be known. Right? Maybe like maybe it just gets lost in cheering. Is this not tradition? Is this a new thing? I, like, maybe I don't, it just gets lost I'm in sure their cheering because they're so loud. But I was next to a person barking. Can you, you want replicate to... one of these barks? Yes. It's it's <laughs> it's like <laughs> surprise pee. That's what they do. Okay, so it's not. Oh <laughs> damn it! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I entirely knew that was coming. I entirely saw that coming. I had no idea. I didn't know that they respond to human barks. That's awesome. I forgot they did. I don't bark. I don't bark frequently. But my lovely significant other, he started barking at Kaylin DeBoer, and I suddenly all regret nothing but regrets. You just moved to the Pacific Northwest for this. It was so natural that multiple. Hundreds of people. That was their reaction. My my initial reaction when hearing this is that this had to be racial. Like something about that feels racial to me. <laughs> what? Like that has to be some sort of slur somewhere. Oh, it, it, was, <laughs> code. it was weird. Like I guess I don't know. I guess it makes sense, but also no, it doesn't at all. And I never so, want okay, to so, but, experience but, but it was that. Uh, uh, I feel like, like I feel like huskies are more okay. of a howl too. Like I, it's not even accurate. Yeah, they weren't like, ruff, 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 but they were like, dude, they were barking. It was barking. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. Uh, maybe maybe UW fans are in our down bad segment here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of basketball, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Terrell Brown Jr. Uh, as very specific. I know yeah. we're gonna talk a little bit about him. I know mm-hmm. you have some thoughts about him, Avery. Um, but just these past two games, thirty against Utah, thirty points off twenty-one uh, shots, uh, nine for twenty-one shooting, and then against Colorado, a, a shocking win for them because mm-hmm. Colorado is supposed to be a good team, and really Colorado hasn't had a dumb loss to a bad team for yeah. as not great as they are and as fraudulent as they may be. They haven't really lost to like a bad team. Terrell Brown Jr. went off 26 points, 10 for 17 shooting. Um, He threw in four rebounds, four assists in both games. So over those two, um, over those two games, he shot 50% from the floor, uh, averaged 28 points, had four rebounds, four assists, a steal, one and a half blocks. Um, Insane stuff. Three blocks. He had three blocks in the Utah game. Well, how does, okay. Terrell Brown Jr. is what? Yeah. How did he get three blocks in that game? Well, you, first of all, Utah's really bad. Uh, <laughs> okay, one of them that starts. One of them was against Brandon Carlson, though, which is that's, pretty damn that's cool bad. to see. Yeah, that's bad if you're Utah. Um, without <laughs> without Terrell Brown Jr., UW would be Oregon State this year. Like that, he is yeah. he is their entire team. That's why he He's consistently awesome. gets over thirty five minutes of playing time. Like they are nothing without him. And that's why I think he's one of the most important players in the conference, which we'll talk more about later. Yeah, they they really might be Oregon State or like yeah, I mean even a Utah if they didn't they didn't have him. He he just does so much for them and has become a pretty good playmaker too. Like does really use the attention that he gets from opposing defenses to create for others. Um, and it's, it's it's not unreasonable for them to have a first round buy in the in the Pac twelve tournament. Mm-mm. <laughs> Like that's not a, I'm gonna for them to get team. a top four seed. They might in. be the fourth best team. Oh, oh that's insane. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're tied in the last column with USC. I have like, I have not. very oh, I have God. very low expectations <laughs> of USC. <laughs> yeah. Uh we'll talk about them. Uh, Matthew Hubertson, you have any uh you have any observations over the Pac twelve? Anybody who you were impressed with if you watched any of these games? Nothing good. Goodness no. <laughs> 
You guys not watch this week? Holy cow. I mean, get on to the next segment. Yeah, let's go. All right, all right, all right. Fine. <laughs> let's uh let's move on to Down Bad where we talk about which teams had horrible weeks and let's start with Matthew Hubertson. You have some thoughts maybe about who's down the bad? S- the sport of college basketball. Did y'all watch Utah and Washington play basketball? I was I was like actively upset that Utah didn't lose in regulation because I had to sit through two more overtimes. I didn't want the free basketball. I would have paid not to get free basketball. I don't think you can call it free basketball. I feel like that took a punishment. an emotional toll. <laughs> it was on a punishment. Who watched it? <laughs> it was a Nobody basketball toll, and I couldn't it was leave because yeah. I was there. Like if I was at home, I probably would have turned it off. But I, that, I, you can't walk out. I mean, I guess I could have, but bad experience that's yeah, not a play like what do you what what do you mean you couldn't walk out <laughs> i'm on the court can you not wait hold on can you not walk out of a you can walk out of a play. i can oh my gosh you uncultured so oh. so what happens if you walk out of a play no you don't walk out of like that's like the ultimate sign of disrespect oh i didn't like, know that i've been to two oh, plays yeah, sports, my whole life sporting events like you always leave before the end it doesn't matter because you, you gotta beat the traffic like in plays and stuff like that, leaving before the end of the movie, like that's terrible. You can leave. You can leave a theater before the end of the movie without. Oh, yeah. People leave. People leave for movies like frequently, but with a play, it's different. Yeah, yeah. With a play, like the people are there. They see you leave. Like it's it's a show of okay. like defiance. Could... When's the last time you went to? Wait, hold on. When's the last time you went to a play? You're so uncultured. What do you mean? When's the last time? I... What, did what? You, did you just recently go to a play or something? How often uh, do you go to plays? When's the last time I went? I we actually got tickets to like a new one. I think, I think it's in July or something like that. We go to plays all the time. Oh, kind of plays are great, Carlos. I don't go to plays. Carlos, if you went to more plays, you would know that you can't walk out of. Yeah, them. you would understand. <laughs> yeah. What, what, so what would happen if you walked Everybody out? Would someone stop you? you Everyone shame. would look at Absolutely you nothing. like you are a You're just really rude. disrespectful peasant. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's horrible. Bad. It's a it's an aggressive move. It's a very aggressive move. I've never done it, and that should tell you it's an aggressive. I've move. been to a lot of plays that I hated deeply. Never once did I consider leaving for that reason. Yeah. I just sat Weird. there and hated myself. Weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, Avery, you couldn't walk out. You had to stay there. I had to stay because I felt like it was my duty. Because at that point, nobody. <laughs> it's cared. double overtime. It's no over, one leaves it's during double, double overtime. overtime. I'm the only Utah one of four Utah fans not related to the players or coaching staff there yeah and i felt like so, just, so it was a home game <laughs> <laughs> i had to stay and i hated every I, actually at the end of um the first overtime for some reason i thought utah didn't have the chance i thought they were trying to tie the game i don't know why mm. i was tired that's why that game was exhausting and so when booth Gotch didn't score i thought the game was over and i was like why isn't everyone leaving? It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> then I had to stay for five more minutes of hell. Awesome. Well, all I know is that happened, and then Stanford went and tried to one up it. Yeah, like that's oh, just yeah. I, I've I don't like basketball in general. I do not like ugly basketball. Nobody can say you can't convince me that UCLA's defense was beautiful in any way, shape, or form. Shut up. You're wrong, and you're this <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Uh, I don't want to hear it. It's yeah. awful. Stanford, from the Stanford end of things, they did not look good. No, they they looked absolutely brutal. They have a huge issue with turnovers. They're one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 in turnovers. In fact, they average the most turnovers per game in the conference. So you're not wrong there. Um, I do think that's 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 an issue that they've had, and UCLA exploited the shit out of it. Um, and that's what they've been. And here's here's what's disappointing. I'll say Stanford's my down bad. Uh, the reason Stanford's my down bad is they had just come off a huge win against USC. Like they had swept, they just swept USC. Um, 
And at that point, they they had a shocking stat here. They had four quad one wins after that game. Yeah, that, four that and that one in like quad one games. That doesn't feel it's, real. It's real. It's they that was actually their quad. I love math. Um, absolutely insane stuff. And then they they get completely demolished by UCLA. Now, UCLA might be hitting a different level right now for sure. Like they might they might be the script between UCLA and Arizona is flipped, where UCLA looks like the dominant team and Arizona looks like maybe like a Just, not not as good as they were. Has Mick Cronin ever felt a shred of joy in his entire life? <laughs> he looks so angry right now. Yeah, so during that game, they were up like 16 and just ripping into the starters. <laughs> ripping into like, them. You gave up double digits, and I'm considering cutting every single one of you. <laughs> so it was bad. It was bad. Avery, who is your down bad? Oh, it's it's Utah. Yeah. Honestly, it's me. At this point, I'm down yeah. bad. <laughs> I am the one that's down bad because I watched the game still. I I was watching the Wazoo game, and like, if you listen to our podcast like prior to the new year, I was like extremely high on both Utah and Wazoo. Don't listen to the episodes. I'm embarrassed. But watching those two two when I thought that would be like one of the most fun ups in the conference to see who like number four was, I was wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> Utah <laughs> Utah's so bad. And now it's like getting to the point where I don't even know if Craig Smith is like a shitty coach or not. Like I'm starting to wonder that, which mm. is so terrible to think in someone's first year after they've had all this turnover on their roster and shit and it's not their team at all, but I'm like this is so fucking bad that he there's no way he's a good coach, right? Well, like it's <laughs> weird cuz the talent sucks. We knew that yeah. coming in. And he's <laughs> like they're somehow underperforming the talent they have, which shouldn't be possible. It's disgusting. At this, like, if this was a guy who was an assistant coach before he came to Utah, I'd be really, really worried because if you have a team this bad underperforming the talent, how are you even going to get talent in? However, I still have some faith because he has been successful previously. Like, he made tournament runs all three years at Utah State. Yeah, but not with talent. That's a thing. What do you mean? Utah State didn't have, like, a huge amount of talent, like their G5 well, I mean, team. Yeah, but and those does- teams were better than this Utah team. That's true. They also like, had, like, a significant talent disparity over the rest of the Mountain that's West. True. Like, true, but, like, I mean, they, they played with Texas Tech in that uh, tournament game. And, honestly, I think in 2020 with Sam Merrill and Nemius Keda, they probably could have made a run because that team was good. I just don't know if he'll be able to get good players into utah that's the thing i'm worried about yeah recruiting shit at utah we don't have to talk about it but i just want them to suspend the season (laughs) at this point i I think like honestly just just stop playing and figure out your shit they're not gonna do that but aren't they are they not with all these injuries and stuff like aren't they getting close to not having enough scholarship players like it's kind of insane the people that were injured are coming back so that's not gonna be an issue it's just like there's some elective surgeries available here. <laughs> do you have anything that, that we can do? Yeah, it's just rough. Just get it taken care of now, buddy. <laughs> get some facelifts going. Greg, who's uh, who's who's down bad for you? Mine was going to be Craig Smith for all the reasons Avery Avery listed. Like to have a team this bad somehow underperform the talent. It is concerning. I am not nearly as high as I was on him a few months ago. That doesn't like that's not to say I'm giving up on him, and I still think it was a good hire. But I am not as optimistic as I was. 
I just think that you guys are failing to consider that this is the second best. That what? That's a lie. This is the single best basketball league in the entire. Sport. I am considering Excellent this. So like we just we but don't, we also like, have Oregon I'm State, the, Cal, Stanford. I'm told there's an NBA that that has <laughs> something that's good. It's not true. This is by far the best basketball that you'll ever see. It had a rough week, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you guys, uh, it's oh, fine. Oh, oh, rough week, or maybe this is just parody. Maybe this league is just different. Parody. Uh, <laughs> Parody's a great word. Good point. Um, but but actually, you know, one of one. Uh, I mean, one of my down bads, maybe because of the parody, is kind of Colorado. Um, Colorado looked like before they went and lost to Washington. 60 to 58 they look like maybe they were putting some stuff together they had just beat oregon the week prior um they had not again had not lost they were competitive against ucla had not lost to a bad team and they it was a stinker against washington complete trash um and uh gave up what 26 points to terrell brown jr almost half of washington's point total um to one guy one guy basically beat them and then their offense was horrific um, they really had a chance to do something that now I, I don't think they're like out of it, but, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's weird. They have, they're not crazy to say this. They're not out of the pa- the NCAA tournament picture. Um, I would not say they're on the bubble, but they can certainly get there. Um, to your point, Matt, this is not hyperbole. I don't think there's a good chance. The PAC 12 is a five bin league and there's a, like, if things, if, if a few teams separate good themselves, chance. There's a fair chance. So UCLA, Arizona, uh, USC, locks. I genuinely don't think it's going to be a five-bid conference unless someone out of UCLA, Arizona, USC, and Oregon wins the conference tournament. Stanford has all those quad wins, like quad one wins. Yeah, they're seventh in the conference right now, but like they're two two to three like toss-up wins away from totally being a lock, like not even being a bubble team, even if they still finish fifth or sixth. They gotta they've gotta have a great finish of the season and they have to make a run in the in the Pac twelve tournament if they're gonna do it, I think. I think they have to win one game. Yeah, so let me let me go ahead well, they and say can't be uh, a, beat USC again. So how are they <laughs> Yeah, they're not on the schedule anymore. Win. Hey, they might the conference <laughs> the tournament the might tournament. give them an opportunity to do it. Um well I'm gonna read the net rankings. I I kind of uh I I I kind of scrubbed our power rankings away for this week just so we could talk about other stuff. But I'm going to say them real quick since we're on the topic of the tournament. Um, Arizona is three now. They dropped from two. UCLA rose up to 10 in the net rankings. USC is at 27. Washington State, 52. That's strong bubble territory, even if he's not, even if they're not in uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Oregon, also, they are in Joe Lenardi's bracket, most recent bracket, at number 58 in the net rankings. Colorado at 83, Stanford at 90. Um, the lowest, I went back and looked this up, the lowest ranked team um, in Joe Lenardi's latest bracket in like the last, the, the team that's in the bubble, the lowest team that's in the bubble is Notre Dame at 72. From 90 and 83, which is where Stanford and Colorado are, that 72 is not unattainable. Now they need to, both of those teams need to beat teams that they should beat. And in most cases, probably beat them handily and look good doing it. And then they might need to take off another game from one of the top three or four teams in the conference. Colorado has one now against Oregon. Oregon might actually be the fourth best team in the conference. They beat the shit out of Oregon State after they lost to Oregon. Um, they beat the shit out of Washington. Like they, they look like they, they're kind of putting it together, even if they did lose to Colorado. So it's not crazy to think that we could get a five bid league and uh, you know, it's kind of trolling a little bit, but like, yeah, you know, if things got really crazy. We could get a seven bid league. 
Okay, seven bid leagues. It's insane. It's insane. I understand. (laughs) Yes, yes. I did make preseason. I did say it was an eight bid league, which was uh... that was insane. (laughs) It still might happen. You don't know. (laughs) I I mean, I I do know actually. I hated. I hated a lot, but I think Colorado has the best chances of doing exactly what you said, where they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and might upset a team they're not supposed to beat, which I hate. But I don't know. They play Washington State tonight sunday tonight so yeah. that will tell us a lot this. i fully expect washington state to win that game yeah stanford's eight and one at home like win wow. two more road games keep wow. winning your home games they're That's in stanford home court advantage we all know <laughs> yeah. it's so formidable <laughs> yeah long, long known Ugh, hostile environment palo alto <laughs> <laughs> those but, nerds with their pencils in the stands so loud Look, talk about you're doing homework, like just <laughs> shouting out calculus assign calculus questions. <laughs> well, I've got a I've got a question. We because you mentioned it, Avery, and you you kind of tweeted about this actually. Um, we you just said that in order to get a five bid league, we're going to have to have an Oregon State situation happen where they kind of come out of nowhere to win the conference tournament. Do you think there's a team in there that could do that this year? Uh... I, maybe the hard thing about this season is Arizona's actually participating in the conference tournament and is good. Last season they did not participate, which made it a much easier pass path for Oregon State. Um, it wasn't easy path, but it was easier. Don't you dare disparage that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, I tweeted out like my rankings of who I thought has like the best chances to pull in Oregon State this year, and it's UW Wazoo then Cal, then Oregon State, and then Stanford, which now that I'm looking at it, I <laughs> was I drunk? Maybe when I did this. <laughs> I still maintain that your words. I still maintain that UW is like has the best chance just because of Terrell Brown Jr. can go off and score over thirty points. Like you kind of need that to be able to upset. Um and then wa- they might be the three seed though. That's not Oregon State. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but they shouldn't they shouldn't win more than a game in the conference tournament honestly um and then wazoo i'm still really high on wazoo i just think they're not refined down to what they could be they have like a ton of length and a really a ton of talented players i don't know why cal is on here (laughs) (laughs) i'm just a cal truther apparently um i only put oregon state on this list because they deserve some props for last season and Stanford is on here because somehow they beat USC twice. Maybe yeah. USC is not as good as we thought they were, but still impressive. So UW's definitely like has the best chance of doing this after watching them play Utah in two overtimes. Don't feel as confident about that at all. Um, I I just don't really think anyone's gonna be able to get through the top four mm-hmm. teams in the conference. So we'll see. Also, I think last year's Oregon State team was better than uh, this UW team. Yeah, for sure. Ethan. Yeah, like one to five. Ethan Thompson. That was his name, right? Yeah, Yeah. Ethan Thompson. They didn't rely. I wanted to call him Ethan Anderson for a second. (laughs) They didn't. They also just got so hot. They didn't rely. Shooting was unreal. But they didn't rely on like absurd shooting. Like they were shooting really well, but they actually looked like a complete team. Like defensively, they looked really good, and they maintained that. They were very consistent all the way. I mean, before the conference tournament, they looked good through the conference tournament. And then until the Elite Eight, they looked like a very consistent team. They didn't rely on, like, crazy shooting numbers. So they were really good. And I don't think UW compares because really the only reason UW's on this list is because they have a shooter who can 
score over 30 points and get blocks at 6 Well, and Terrell Brown, he's not even a shooter. He's no, a scorer. He's a score. he, does, he doesn't score from range. Yeah, he... And I mean... I think that's a problem. Yeah. He... But he's really good at scoring. He's really great. <laughs> it just, it's yeah. just easier to stop him when, like, you can... You don't have to guard him from 30 feet out. Yeah. Uh, we got a little off track, but any other down bad candidates you want to... Anyone want to throw in here? I don't Hard know how we have with the longest losing streak in a program's history. Yeah. yeah. That's so painful. That's for really Utah. hard. We didn't really get to talk about USC. Uh, we, oh. we talked a little bit about them. I wouldn't say, I'd say they're down kind of bad. They did beat Cal, but that was a close game. Cal really had so many opportunities to, to take down uh, USC that game. Um, but uh the heroics of Isaiah Mobley, he's probably one of my peak of the pack if I'm jumping back to that. He's awesome and is honestly the – in terms of like, you know, we had that argument about like who the MVP is versus who the best player is. If we're, not, if we're taking like the Pac-12 – and we're going to get to this, the Pac-12 player of the year argument, and you sort of talked about who means the most to their team – about Brown Jr.'s in that conversation, but Isaiah Mobley's in that conversation. Offensively, USC looks so lost when Isaiah Mobley isn't... He's their big man, and he's creating so much for them. Um, and really, that's what happened against Stanford. They lost to Stanford, got swept, um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, just... It took, takes a lot of shine off of what USC season was, looking promising, getting swept by Stanford. Obviously, still a lot to go for. Obviously, still a tournament team, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, any other uh, down bad candidates now that we got through some of those in USC? All right. Well, let's move on to our next segment. Avery uh, requested. We have a discussion about Pac-12 Player of the Year. So, Grapes, do you want to explain your motivation for this? And then we can talk about uh, our respective candidates for Player of the Year. Yeah, like I said, I went to the Utah-UW game. And the only redeeming quality of that entire experience for me that outweighed the barking was Terrell Brown Jr., like, I've enjoyed watching him play all season. He's the only reason I've been watching UW games. I try to avoid, like, the UWs and the Cals of the world, but somehow I end up watching their games. Anyways, um, <laughs> Terrell Brown Jr. is incredible to watch and is actually, like, makes that offense enjoyable. Um, like I said earlier, he's their only player that's worth anything on that team. No offense to all the Husky players that listen to this podcast. Um Without Terrell Brown Jr., they would be Oregon State. They would be 2022 Oregon State. It's actually sad how bad they are without him. And that's because, like, literally all their points come from him. He has, I believe, four games with over 30 points. His average points is, like, around 22. Um, There's a graphic, actually, on Pac-12 Network earlier that I found really interesting of the top five scores over the last five years. He is making less than six percent of his points from outside the arc which i thought was really cool so he is like a volume scorer inside the paint um which is just a really unique attribute and he's the reason his team is in contention for the fourth seed in the conference which should not be happening uw is terrible absolutely horrible and so i think he should be player of the year because he elevates his team while being one of the best players in the conference which i think it's worth a lot you know without him his team would be nothing so I'm very passionate about it because I got to watch him play. And I'm like, wow, what a great person. Yeah. 
He's great. Um, I, I, I think I, I, I think that is a sound argument. The advanced analytics love him. He's, if you just follow advanced analytics, player efficiency rating, box plus minus, all that stuff, he's a top five player in the Pac-12 pretty easily, um, given what he does for them and how much he has to do in order to make Washington competitive. And they, and, and them being tied for fourth right now is insane. Um, it's, it's bizarre considering just, just how bad Washington has looked. So I think that's a good pick. I think one name I'll throw in there um, that I just mentioned was Isaiah Mobley. Um, again, what he has to do defensively and offensively, he's their primary offensive playmaker because USC's backcourt is brutal sometimes. Um, Ethan Anderson, the, the name that you brought up instead of Ethan Thompson, he, Ethan yeah. Anderson, the actual guard for USC, he doesn't look great. And so oftentimes... That offense works best when it's run through Isaiah Mobley, and then defensively, um, is just roaming um, and getting and cleaning up a lot of stuff inside the paint. Like he's he's an awesome two way player, and and maybe one of the best, if not if not the best two way player in the Pac twelve right now. So USC's Isaiah Mobley for me is like one of those guys. I don't know, Greg. Who do you have? Do you have a Pac twelve player of the year? I don't know. It's it's gotten less clear for me because, like, Matherin, for me, it was head and shoulders above everyone else and not been so good last week. <laughs> he, was, he was terrible against uh, UCLA and didn't have a great game uh, against ASU either. I... <sighs> I don't I don't have one guy anymore that I think is a clear front runner, but um, another guy, I mean... We talk about it a lot. Jaime Hawkes, can't forget about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Defensively, he's just, like, he's better than all the guys we've mentioned so far. Isaiah Mobley's a great defender. I think Jaime Hawkes is better. Uh, I also think Jaime Hawkes is a better player offensively. However, he has to do less for UCLA than Mobley does for USC, and that counts for something. Yeah. Yeah, the UCLA players are tough because it's like, Jaime Hawkes does not have, like, he doesn't, his, his contributions don't, show up in the stat sheet the way that a Pac-12 player of the year normally does. Like Terrell Brown Jr. has like major Pac-12 player of the year DNA because of the numbers that he puts up. Um, and in fact, if you kind of look at Kempom's all conference team, Johnny Juzang is the number three player in, uh, in the Kempom ratings. Oh, in yeah. The we Pac-12. should probably talk about him more because he's been, he's been much better recently. He's been much better. He's still I, bad on defense. That's true. Still not great. Matt, what were you going to and say? I, and I, well, I just, I feel like it's a really good, I, I definitely agree. I think Terrell Byrne Jr. is, is very much so on the trajectory to run away with the award. But I do think that currently you kind of start doing this calculus where it's just like, well, there's a lot of these guys that are really close. Do you just do best player on the best team? The problem with that, though, is do you start splitting votes between Johnny Juzang and Jaime Hawkins Jr.? And Tiger Campbell. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, no, that's right. That's right. I mean, I think, yeah, in terms of the best player on the best team, it's hard because they, the, the three UCLA guys there, Johnny Juzang, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, have all had stretches where you're just like, what, what is wrong with him? Um, Tiger Campbell's a little bit on that stretch, on that stretch right now himself. Jaime Hawkins looking great again, but had that was coming off that stretch earlier this season for most of really the first three quarters of the season so far. He was going through that stretch, but now he looks awesome. Uh, whereas like a Ben Matherin, although he's going through his stretch right now, um, has looked mostly consistent. Christian Coloco 
is not Pac-12 Player of the Year. Like, he doesn't have that DNA in terms of, like... Yeah, I think he's more of an all-conference rather than Player of the Year type guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's hard. It, I wouldn't say Terrell Brown Jr. is running away with it just because Washington is so bad. But at the same time, maybe the guy that has had the least kind of down periods um, and has been the whole reason his team is even anywhere near a first round by in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. The conference is very strange right now, player-wise. There's no clear player of the year candidate as there has been in recent years. Um, yeah, nobody is good as either Evan Mobley or Chris Duarte were last year. Right. Right. I mean, those and those were game-changing players and um, that, like, did like just very visibly kind of stuck out to you, but there's yeah, there's not much of that this year, right? Every player is kind of going through their own slumps and then the high points and things like that. So it's it's a very 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 weird field right now. Any other thoughts about Pacto Player of the Year or any 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 names that people want to throw out there? Will Richardson? Any 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 thoughts uh. to him? I mean, he started I, too I, I bad. don't think he yeah, started exactly. way too bad. He, he started so badly that I don't. He's think shooting. He he's shooting. Here, here's a shocking stat. Given how poorly he started, he's shooting forty six percent from three this this season, which is insane. That 46, is shocking. Forty six percent from three is nuts to me. I feel like um, we spent weeks talking about how bad he was shooting. Yeah, and somehow um, he's pulled it up that much. But I mean, him being bad cost them games and like a lot of games. So. Yeah. For me, he can't be like I would definitely vote for Terrell Brown Jr. over Will Richardson ten out of yeah. ten times. Yeah, that's probably right. I will say about Will Richardson shooting, I think it was less that he was shooting bad and more just he disappeared. Like he yeah, just he wasn't, wasn't taking doing shots. Much. He wasn't yeah, he wasn't helping Oregon and the way Oregon is, they need him. Like, yeah. He has to be a catalyst. Yeah. Since the I mean, uh, you know, if you look at his numbers between the Baylor game, really. He's uh, the, since the Baylor game, eighteen point seven points off fifty percent shooting from three, fifty six percent shooting from the field, three point seven assists, three point six boards. That's very different than what he was before that. I'll go ahead and pull that up. But it's been a, it's been a, it's, it has been a big turnaround for him. You know, this is like maybe the best ball he's played in his career, possibly. Um, and and isn't disappearing. I think it's it's almost like he had a revelation that he what he does is important to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so eighteen points off fifty. What did I say? Fifty six percent shooting from the floor, fifty percent from three to start the season until up until the Baylor game. Um, their first what ten games of the season, he was shooting. He was getting twelve points a game off forty three percent from the floor, forty three percent from three, which is still good and three point three rebounds three assists like it's a huge jump for him um seven points a game averaging more more seven more points per game than he did in the first half of the season um and 56 percent from this back half versus 43 percent when he started it's it has been a pretty meteoric rise but maybe we need to see more of it if he keeps it up if he keeps this up he's gonna push himself into that conversation for sure and Oregon, Oregon probably deserves a guy, you know, it's it's like when I'm putting together these lists now, it's like you almost have to put it in an Oregon guy now. It's getting it's getting to that point. Yeah, so. this is the part of the season that matters too. So I, I feel like I have to be careful on criticizing Oregon and Will Richardson a lot because being shitty at, to start out the season is when you want to be shitty. Yeah. 
So there is a lot of time left to kind of make more of an argument for Will Richardson. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the last few weeks of the season. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, uh, fun end. I hope, hope we get some clarity (laughs) and, uh, you know, the PAC 12 tournament always a crapshoot. It's always weird to figure out what those, uh, what those teams are anyway. Um, okay. Any other PAC 12 player of the year thoughts? All right, well, let's move on then. Like I said, we're going to skip our Pac-12 rankings this week just because we have a few other things we, we wanted to get to, especially this Pac-12 Player of the Year discourse. I think we all agree. Please tell me if you disagree that UCLA is number one. Anyone have UCLA other than number one at the top of this conference? Oregon fans? <laughs> you lost, yeah, you lost to Colorado. Shut up. Yeah. Oh, I think Oregon fans have been humbled a little bit. I mean, that was an insanely bad start to their season. It's like... I think they even knew like, okay, that was, that was actually, this was actually genuinely the worst start to the season in the Dana element era. And he's still, and he's still doing it. It's just fucking nuts to me. All right. Well, let's move on to our dad's discourse. Daddy, no. Daddy, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of comments on I that. I forgot about it. Well, someone, <laughs> someone told me it was from SpongeBob, apparently the SpongeBob movie. Uh, I vaguely remember it. <laughs> uh all right anyway matthew Hubertson every week um the sole dad on this podcast he always something to complain about or amusing um usually not basketball related so uh, matthew Hubertson, take us away oh your boy is extremely amused at the moment um as the resident old man on the pod i am thoroughly enjoying watching other people find out about living with other humans <laughs> um it's absolutely wonderful uh the surprise p has been an incredible uh really just cherry on top to to the basis of this story um every i'd love to hear about cooking adventures because because we know the influencer that you are you're, you're very particular about your cookware. oh yeah um i would i would love to know are do we have these under lock and key are they being used <laughs> uh, where, where are we at here as far as cooking so I actually, we should explain should I we explain? should explain first okay. some context I, you're a tiktok influencer for like for uh uh la, Cru- la, la crusette, crusette aren't you don't don't you under don't you say la it wrong. don't do it i mean i don't even i'm not i don't speak french it's la crusette i think i don't know um yeah i have like fifteen thousand followers on tiktok just because i would like post videos about this french cookware company they like they're most famous for their dutch ovens um and I did it long enough. They eventually sent me a free one. So that was pretty cool. It's like a $400 Dutch oven that I have. Um, <laughs> so did you have to like go on TikTok and be like, hey, this this Le Creuset pan is awesome. No, they didn't. They didn't make me. It was. They came out with a new color and I posted a video about it because I was like obsessed with it. And they literally just DM'd me and were like, hey, we want to send you one. What's your address? And I was like, Really? So I have a bunch of Le Creuset pans um, that I, I kind of collect them. I actually just got a new one on uh, Saturday. I got a new one from an estate sale, and I was at this estate sale, and they they were like still bringing stuff out of the kitchen because they found a new cupboard that they didn't know about, and they pull out this like small Le Creuset That's Dutch not oven. Concerning. Was it all? like hidden? It was like a under. New cupboard it was like timeout. under. Was there a body in there? No. <laughs> you know how some kitchens have like that bar seating like their kitchen island type thing it was a cupboard under there so it was behind a chair and they pulled out like a black dutch oven i was like oh my god so i like ran over i'm like how much is this and i got it for 60 bucks which is for the size they're usually around 200 so it's pretty good and yeah they're expensive has the original handle which is kind of cool anyways 
I do have a lot of fancy cookware, but I don't keep it locked up. We use it. Um, the person who cooks that- the most actually is good with cookware. My boyfriend is good about it. He doesn't damage things. So anyway, let's do some game predictions. All right. As usual, I'm just picking a couple of select games from the Pac-12 slate this week that we're going to make predictions about. First one I have here, the obvious one, the big one, the return game, UCLA going to Tucson to play Arizona at the McHale Center. This one's Thursday, February 3rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. Matthew Hubertson, who wins? I wasn't listening. What game were we talking about? <laughs> UCLA, Arizona. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, gosh, I really, I really want to go with Arizona just because it can't be that simple that UCLA is the best team in the conference. I just, I don't, the trust isn't there yet. Okay. Um, this is appointment viewing. So people, people, if you're a neutral, a casual, this is, you got to watch this one. This, this one should be fun. Mikhail's going to be rocking. Avery, what do you think? Who, who do you think I'm going to go with Arizona. I don't think we saw like a true showing of what Arizona is. Um, Azulis Tabellis, who is a really important member of their offense, ha- was not healthy. I assume he'll be more healthy this week, hopefully. And the McHale Center, I think, might have the best home court advantage in the conference. Their fans are so fucking loud, and their student section is really, really good. Um, I think it will be a close one, way closer than the last game, but I'm going to give the edge to Arizona just because they're at home. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because Johnny Juzang and Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark probably out for this game. Johnny Juzang is in COVID protocols. He was in COVID protocols um, and missed missed both the Cal and Stanford games. Um, I thought he was back. Now, apparently he's asymptomatic, um, but, you know, he's still got a test negative and everything like that. So who knows if he plays in this one ucla may have to lean on him a lot especially if arizona is going to come back to form oh i'm gonna say i'm gonna say ucla wins it but very narrowly i think this one might be the classic that we all thought the first game was supposed why to can't be. we just get a game between these two teams where everyone's healthy yeah like it was a julius tabellus the first time I'm and sick. no jalen clark i'm sick of it i don't like the hypotheticals yeah i'm still gonna bet on arizona however i think because I think they'll be undervalued. I don't think the gap is as big as it was in the last game. And so I think there'll be some value betting on Arizona. But uh, I think UCLA is going to win. Uh, even even with the Arizona players coming back and with Arizona's home court advantage. I think UCLA style of play is a problem for Arizona. And with Johnny Chu saying, oh, fuck, if he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't play, I'm taking Arizona to win. If he so plays, I'm taking UCLA. Ken Palm has uh, Arizona as a five-point favorite right now. They only give UCLA a 33% chance to win this one. So it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. I think it will. It still will tell us a lot, I think. Um, so, And especially if UCLA is, wins that game without Johnny Juzang and Jalen Clark, that's going gonna, 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 gonna to turn some heads, I think. Uh, all right. The second game that night, uh, Oregon traveling to Boulder for that revenge game against Colorado. Last time these two met in Eugene. Colorado beat the Ducks. Uh, let's start with Avery on this one. Avery, who wins? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is really it's hard for me. <laughs> I think it's going to be... Oregon's going to win. Okay. 
Big? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. This is <laughs> I don't This is an even this is an even one in Kempom by the way. Um they have uh, Kempom has Colorado as a one point favorite um, and, and a, with a 52% chance to win. So this is as toss up as tossy up as it can get. I, th- I think Oregon's going to win. I don't even know. I have no idea. <laughs> I th- I'm going to go with Oregon. I don't know what the score is going to be. Matthew Ebertson? If this was an hour later and had Colorado not lost an absolute stinker in their last game. This would be a pretty clear Oregon lean, but I'm going to the buffs. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think Colorado starts to make their tournament case here. Um, I think they may, they may be the fifth best team in the Pac-12. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Colorado wins this one. Um, it is at home. We'll see. Could be just a bad FS1. So no chance of a Bill Walton, uh, you know, experience, sad. Why here, watch? which means Sadly. I won't be watching. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think Oregon's going to win big. You think Oregon? Oh, I forgot why about Greg. So I don't know confident. why I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not confident. I don't want Oregon to win this game. I think it's better for the conference if Colorado does. But what if they lose to Wazoo tonight? Better than than God hates us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I just feel like uh, Colorado are frauds, and the only thing they can be trusted to do is fraud. Over time, <laughs> they will like. Uh, occasionally there are fraud. yeah exactly. Occasionally there are anomalies where they'll win in Eugene, but uh, going forward, I feel comfortable betting on Colorado to be a fraud. So uh, yeah, makes Oregon sense to big. me. Makes sense to me. All right, so uh, last game here I have on my slate, USC traveling to Tucson to play Arizona. This is the first time that these two teams will play this season. Um, currently, at, this is this game's on Saturday, February 5th at 2 p.m. Pacific. Currently, uh, I think, oh, I've got to go back and look because it's not immediately here. Ken Palm has Arizona as an 11-point favorite. Um, they only give USC a 16% chance to win this game. Greg, who do you think wins that one? That's tough. I feel like I feel like uh, USC could be a problem for Arizona just because of the length they have, especially like Isaiah Mobley could make things hard in the same way Jaime Hawkins made things hard for uh, Arizona. But I'm still gonna go with Arizona to win. They're, I mean, they just have so much more than USC does. Like Isaiah Mobley has to do too much uh, for USC to win, and I don't think he'll be able to do enough to compensate for what Arizona has. Yeah, I think, I think, I think I'm gonna pick. It's just I don't know what's going on with Arizona right now. Is my that's true. I don't know what's going on with them. They had a horrible game against Arizona State. They did win, but it wasn't the way that they have that they you know with like Utah or Washington or even Colorado where they were sort of struggling a little bit and then had that avalanche where they pulled away. They just did not look good at all um, against Arizona State. Um, so this is this is maybe Arizona. St- roughest stretch and they're gonna come again they're gonna come off playing ucla ah. i'm gonna say usc wins this one I, I i just think usc can has the ability and the length and the athleticism to slow arizona down usc plays at an even slower place than pace than ucla does arizona might just be tired um again so I, i'm gonna pick usc to win Grapes, who do you think wins? I think Arizona's going to win, but I don't think they're going to cover. I don't think it's going to be as dominant of a win as we've seen over most of the teams that they've played, just because 
they have looked rough the last little while and they haven't played like a ton of amazing teams like against the best teams they've played they they haven't looked great so we'll see how it goes but i think arizona's still gonna win matthew Hubertson, a who wins and then b are you gonna watch any pac-12 basketball this week any games that yeah, you're I, circling i just think arizona's gonna split the week okay um so i think that I, I'm picking USC here, but it's because I think Arizona beats UCLA. Um, otherwise, flip it. I don't know. Um, heck, yeah, I'm going to watch at least three minutes of something. <laughs> Have you watched a full Pac-12 basketball game in the new year in 2022? Oh, man. I really was locked into Arizona-UCLA, and then UCLA looked so clear, so much clearly like better in that game, and it was late, and I went to bed. Yeah. So right. I was like eight minutes off from making that one. It was right. close. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, that will do it for us. As usual, dropping a basketball episode every Tuesday at 5 a.m. And a bonus one, uh, our conversation with Brad Malone from Bear Down Bias. That's going to happen Wednesday, and that'll drop Wednesday at 5 a.m. This has been Avery at Brave underscore Grapes. I really have to do a better job remembering the goddamn <laughs> remembering the goddamn outro here. Um, Matt Hubertson at Matt Nyber and Greg at Banana Morse. Thank you for your company. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. It's fun. Podcasting as a live medium. Um, Debo Samuel is insane. Oh, did he do something? Holy crap. <clears throat> that was incredible. What Anyways. are you guys talking about? Truck stop week? We're talking stop? about yep. truck Sadly. stop football. You're very boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're the one who came up with this discourse. You chose this. I, you didn't want to prep, so you just had to be cleared with... through you, control I, freak. I enjoy this discourse because <laughs> I wanted to complain about it. So now that's out of my system. <laughs> you feel like you can go back? All right. Fair enough. <laughs> on the other side of the street